We are recording. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 18 of Whipcast. Hope you are all safe as you're listening to this podcast. As you know it, there is uh, quite a change in direction uh, for everything with this whole virus going on. So I hope you all are staying safe and keeping a positive mind and just uh, keeping busy mentally and physically. That's what I found has been most important for me during this this pandemic. Um, but uh, I'm working on a whip right now, and I encourage you to do the same. I'm struggling with my microphone. You'll have to forgive me. I'm just trying to find a way to plat while I'm working my way around this mic. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn up the volume. There we go. Here we go. Can you hear me? Sweet. Okay. This is uh this is just uh, yours truly. I'm just sitting here alone. It's uh the middle of the night and I figured while I work on a whip as you can hear that glorious sound of paracord sliding through my fingers. <laughs> this will be an ASMR episode. Uh, not really. But uh, I figured, why not uh, just kind of rattle off some of my thoughts about whips, about life, while I work on a whip. This will be kind of a new change in direction. I've never um, worked on a whip while recording a podcast. So... Right now I'm working on a 16 plat. This is an order nylon whip. And I'm currently working on the first belly. And um, I'll talk about the, uh, I got the order right here, order form, if you guys are curious as to what I'm making. It's a seven foot nylon bull whip. And uh, he says, I would like to ha- the handle to have a single diamond plat. Uh, 10 inches long, um, and he would like the whip to be loaded a little heavier than I normally do. Also, can you please add a wrist loop to the end? Sure can. And the colors are going to be black and gray. So, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about a few things tonight, or this early morning, I should say. But I, I want to talk a little bit about starting a whip-making business because a lot of people have requested that I talk about that. And I think I'm going to do a video on that. I know the Whipcast is a lot less popular than the YouTube channel. Um, so I'll probably cover some ideas on that here uh, as well as the YouTube channel. Have to make a quick adjustment here finished with the top of the handle. Now I can move this microphone a little closer to me. There we are. So, guys, you'll have to uh, forgive me. I This is not my normal setup for whip making or for recording a podcast. I am sitting at my desk which is actually where I usually do record a podcast, but it's not where I make whips. I'm using this wonderful little clamp uh, that was given to me by my friend Nico from Germany. I still use the thing. It's so portable. You can latch it on any table, any little ledge. And it does a tremendous job at holding the whip rock solid while I pull my strands into place. So, back on track, uh, I want to talk about starting a whip-making business. Now, back in 2011, when this whole crazy thing started for me by accident, I never really... It wasn't my intention to make it a business, which is one of the reasons that I put up tutorial that kind of went viral. I thought, you know, I think I have a pretty um, 
pretty good way of making a whip, and I felt comfortable with it. I had made a, quite a few whips up until that point. Um, and I thought, you know, I just want to share this. I want to share this with with the rest of the world because there weren't at the time any nylon whip making tutorials. If there were, there were few and far between, and none of them, uh, you know, some although some of them were great, uh, none of them were really, you know, sit down and start to finish. So I figured I would do that. I wanted to kind of pass on that uh, newly found joy. You know, I've, I've always been someone who enjoyed putting things together with my hands. I, I always enjoyed building things. I think I get that from my father. He, uh, good carpenter. He, um, he built houses for, uh, for a living for um, part of his life as a carpenter. And he's always enjoyed building things. So I think I get that from him. Um, but I, I always just uh, admired, you know, seeing something come to life. And especially a whip, something that you can use after it's done. You know, it's, it's one thing to paint a, a beautiful picture or, you know, make a sketch of something, make a, a sculpture, you know, on a pottery wheel or what have you to see that finished product. You know, that's great. But to be able to build something that functions in a certain way, like a model airplane, it flies. Um, a whip cracks. You know, you're, you're kind of seeing the hard work manifest itself all at once with the way the whip rolls out, the way it cracks. So I was just really uh, enlightened, for lack of a better term. I was... I feel like I found this really neat thing that brought me so much joy, and I thought, man, if I could pass this on to other people, they would love it too. You know? I'm, I'm convinced they would love it too. You know? So, you know, given some of that also was, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to sit here and say none of it was, wow, there really isn't a video like this on YouTube. I wonder how many views I can get. You know, that, that went through my mind as well. Although two million views was never really in my in my mind of possibilities, you know, I never imagined that I could achieve the amount of views that I have, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but I released the video uh, primarily just to kind of test the waters, see what happened. I, I wanted to see what would happen when I released a full length tutorial like that. So I did, and it didn't catch on right away. I think at that point I had sold, oh, I don't know, not very many whips. And any of the whips that I sold were through eBay. Maybe 30 whips at that time, maybe 40. I'm not entirely sure, but up until that point I was just kind of selling whips on eBay. And they would sell, they would sell. I was selling, um, the first whip I ever sold on eBay sold for 50 bucks. And uh, I've been trying to track that whip down ever since. I would like to get it back. So if you are the owner of that whip, it's a black and a yellow whip. Ugly as can be. <laughs> but just for the uh, nostalgic purposes, I would love to have that thing back. Um, but yeah, I, I sold it for 50 bucks. That was the first whip I ever sold. And back then, you know, 50 bucks... It wasn't a lot of money, but the fact that I just made something and sold it and got 50 bucks, like that meant a lot to me because I've, I've always been the type of person who, one of my primary, primary goals in life is to, has always been to have my own, my own job, my own company, I should say. I always wanted to be my own boss. And I understand a lot of people, you know, unfortunately don't have the luxury of being able to do that. And I knew that it would be very challenging. But I've always had this philosophy on life. We are here for such a short amount of time. I, I want to build something of my own. Even if I'm making far less money than, than someone who, you know, puts on the, the suit and tie and goes into work every day. 
I always wanted to be the guy who built my own thing and made money off of it. Just who I am. I, I don't. I don't know. It's just ingrained in me. I just always wanted to do my own thing. So, the fact that the whip sold for fifty, going back to you know when it sold on eBay, I felt like there was potential in it. And maybe I didn't believe I'd be doing this now. You know, um, almost ten years later. But I felt like I could sustain it for a while. And if I worked hard, it could bring me perhaps the equal amount of pay from a part-time job at, you know, the, the grocery store or the hardware store. So I continued to sell whips on eBay. And I continued also to make more videos on YouTube. And because whips and whip making were of extremely tiny percentage of, of everything else on YouTube at the time, and it still is, given the vast majority of things that are out there on the internet, whip making is still tiny. You can still become an extremely successful whip maker today. There's still plenty of time. Um, but you know, 10 years ago, it, it was a little bit easier because there was less material out there. There were less nylon whip makers. And, um, you know, YouTube was still not in its infant stage, but it was, uh, it was still, it had a lot of growing to do. So. So fast forward a little bit. The video, as you know it, the tutorial from 2013 really started to take off. I think it was, I think it was a couple months before it really started to take off. Um, YouTube, the algorithm found favor with me, <laughs> and it started to exponentially grow. You know, getting several hundred views a day, which blew me away. And at one point, it was getting several thousand views a day. At one point, it was getting ten or 15,000 views every single day. And I could not believe it. I was getting phone calls. I was getting emails. I was getting oh, just people reaching out saying thank you. People reaching out saying, you know, thanks for wasting my time. You know, everybody was like, was reaching out and they had something different to say. Most of them were, were very thankful for the video, though. And I was never, I had never been in that position of my life where so many people all at once were aware of something that I made or something that I did, something that I created. And it made me feel, you know, it made me feel special. It really did. It made me feel like I, like this was becoming my identity. Whips are not my number one thing that I enjoy in life, whip making. It's not. If I were to pick one of my absolute favorite hobby slash art that I do, I think it would be filmmaking. And I think that it would be photography. Next down the list, I think it would be music. I love music. I love playing guitar. So if one of those arts that I enjoy became popular in a YouTube video, I don't think I'd be making whips. I think I kind of, I went with it because, you know, I, I got fulfillment from it, but it wasn't my favorite thing at the time to do. I just realized it had, it had potential to it. And people were starting to, to show interest in it. And I just kind of, you know, I, I stepped it up a notch. I started making more whips. I started making more videos. At that point, I decided to launch my own website because I was tired of eBay taking their 10%. You know, that really adds up if you've ever sold anything on eBay, especially multiple things. You get that bill at the end of the month after selling a couple hundred dollars worth of things. Woo, man. But I, I just never imagined that 
this would would go where it where it went and i'm so thankful that it did i really am i it's uh i i a few times i i can recall kind of complaining you know like oh i got to make these orders i got a got a 12 foot order you know and uh you know not always most of the time i'm i'm happy to get an order but there were some times where you know i was like I was kind of complaining a little bit, and I, I got now looking back in hindsight, you know, that was very stupid of me to have that attitude. You know, I should be thankful for every single order that I get, and I am. But I want to talk now about kind of how it's different. If you want to start a whip making business, I will share with you some of the things that I did. But you have to understand, you can't really replicate an accident. And that is what happened with me and whip making. It was an accident. If you know the story of how I got into whips, it was through photography. I was trying to capture a still image of the tip of a whip cracking. Because when it does so, as you all know, or if you don't, that's okay too. When a whip cracks, it's exceeding the speed of sound, creating a shockwave, a sonic boom, a pressure difference. And if you've ever stuck a straw in your glass of water or Sprite or whatever you're drinking, you'll notice that the straw looks bent as soon as you, as soon as it uh, submerges underneath the water. It doesn't line up with the portion with the portion of the straw that's sticking out of the, of the fluid. It goes to the fluid, the base of the fluid, and then it darts to the left or to the right, and it seems bent. And that's because light travels at a different speed. It travels slower, slightly slower through water, distorting that image. So a shockwave does the exact same thing. It's a pressure differential. It's fluid dynamics. We don't think of air as a fluid, but it is. Air is, in fact, a fluid. It's just less dense. So the shockwave does the same thing, and I wanted to capture a picture of that. So I took a drumstick, I took twine, duct tape. I'm looking at that whip across the room right now, it's hanging up. <laughs> I should make a video about cracking that thing. For old time's sake. But it was all an accident. And the steps that unfolded, a lot of them were by luck, a lot of them were by stumbling my way into a place that I didn't really intend to be, but I decided to run with it. Given that nowadays, you know, I do work very hard on my videos. I put hours in. But back in the day, um, I didn't have this big plan to, to become a whip maker. So if you were sitting here listening to this podcast thinking, oh, you ungrateful scum, you... <laughs> complaining about your 12-foot whip. You're right. <laughs> Number one, you're right. I shouldn't have ever complained about that in the past. And every time I start to complain about a whip order, nowadays I have to catch myself and say, whoa, you're, you're crazy. You're, cut it out, you know. But I'm going to go through a few things here that I've I've listed if you want to start your own whip-making company. Number one, you have to... It's very important to evaluate your own work. You you can sell a whip at any at any phase of, of your expertise in the craft, meaning that you could have a whip that has a whole bunch of gaps in it, a whole bunch of spaces. It doesn't roll out right. There are creases in it. There are kinks. You picked an ugly color <laughs> or a combination thereof. I'm just kidding. Um... But you, you can sell a whip in any, any phase or any stage of your expertise in the craft. You could have a beautiful whip that, that functions flawlessly, or you could have a whip that's not very good. It, depending on the price, you can sell the whip. You can sell a whip that's pretty bad for 30 bucks, for 40 bucks, for 50 bucks, and, and so on. There are people who will, will pay for it. And for some people, a whip that doesn't look very good that's thrown together fairly quickly for a 
fairly decent price is all they need. They're not looking for something that's that rolls out perfectly all the way down to the end of the fall and cracks. They're not looking for that. They're looking for something that's tough, something that they can you know overhand crack real loud and make noise. And they need that whip to hold together for about two or three months because after that, they're probably going to move on to dif- different hobbies and they're not going to really care about whips anymore. At the same time, there are people who are more interested in something that's going to last, something that looks good. And usually these people are are more interested in, in investing a little more money in something because they know if they invest more money in in something it's more likely that it's going to last longer that it's going to have a better construction so the number one thing that I recommend if you want to start your own whip making company is really evaluate your own work go on Facebook um, join the different whip making groups there are so many of them out there that have grown Whipmaker's Hook, Whip Cracking Community, Whip Trading Community. Get to know other whipmakers. That is the number one thing that I recommend doing. If you want to sell your whips, make yourself known. Be polite. Don't email other whipmakers begging for questions nonstop, um, saying, hey, are you there? Are you there? You know, that you don't do that. People who have been making whips for longer than you, most of the time they are more than happy to help. But you have to be polite and you have to be realistic. You have to realize that these people have their own lives. They're not sitting on Facebook all day waiting for questions to come in. They're not. These are people who have families, you know. They have lives outside of whip making. So be polite, but make yourself known. Comment on other people's work. Politely ask how they do something, what materials they use. There are few people, there are few whip makers, you know, and rightly so, who will not give up, you know, secrets of how they how they make their whips or where they get their materials. There, there, there are some whip makers who choose not to disclose that information, and rightly so. They have every right not to. But on the other hand, there are the majority of whip makers are happy to explain how they do something. But the way in which you ask them for advice greatly reflects um, their response. So be kind and, and be, be polite, be respectful. Um, don't go towards these whip makers with the, the idea that there is some machine that spits out um, information. Because that's not how you you get to where you're going to be as a whip maker. But make yourself known. Comment on others' work. Make videos of your work. And be open to suggestion. That's a number one, not number one, but that, that is a very important piece of information as a whip maker, as a beginner whip maker. Be open to suggestion. Understand that there are whip makers who have been making whips for 30 and 40 years who still admit that there is so much for them to learn. So if they're still learning things 30 or 40 years down the road, uh, don't, <laughs> don't feel like you know it all a year or two in because there's always things you can be learning. So be open to suggestion. Um, be, be open to uh, constructive criticism. Um, and be ready for you know some some people to to see your work and and maybe talk bad about it. There's there's always going to be people out there who are who are going to put you down as as any craftsman. That's that's bound to happen. So sorry, I'm just uh, just to the end of this um, the first belly here. I have to cross over. My um, sinker cord ended, so I have to drop a strand. Uh, yeah, let me just get that. Sorry, guys. Oh.
that strand there. Under three over one. There we go. So yeah, making making yourself known in the community on Facebook. If you don't do Facebook, there's always YouTube. YouTube is an excellent place to get known. Um, but that that's the number one thing to know when you're a whip maker. And a lot of beginner whip makers ask me, how do I become known in the whip community? And the first thing I say is Facebook groups, YouTube, there's Instagram, pretty much any social media. If you're a photographer or if you are a, oh, I don't know, um, a chef, to become known is perhaps thousands of times more difficult if, if you're a chef and you have videos of, of cooking. To become known is thousands of times more difficult than it is to be known in the whip community because it's so tiny. And as a result of the video that I put up in 2013, there have been a lot of nylon whip makers who have, who have uh, started their own companies. And some people get discouraged and say, well, isn't it, too, isn't it too saturated now, the market? Absolutely not. I think we could go another 20 years, 10 or 20 years, and have a whole bunch more nylon whip makers, leather whip makers. And the, <laughs> to get the whip market saturated would take something astronomical. It's, it's going to be small compared to everything else, probably forever. And still to this day, most whip makers all know or are aware of each other. They've heard this company. They've heard this name, you know. It's still that small, whereas bigger things like, uh, you know, sports, you know, cooking, all those types of, of trades, of arts, painting, you know, painters, sculptors, that stuff is... That is saturated, and it is hard to, to get a name. You have to be the, the bigger the the market is, so to speak, or the the field of ex, of expertise, the field of, of of artistry is. The more creative and thinking outside the box you have to be to become known, or you just have to get lucky. Maybe some you know big shot will mention you. Uh, that that's the way it is. But wit making is still a small enough craft, a small enough trade. To where all it takes is someone who made a decent looking whip that cracks decently and they just they put a video on YouTube with a link to their website, to their Facebook page, to their eBay listing. That's all it takes. So number one, make yourself known. Facebook, Instagram, make yourself known. Join groups. Number two, Make videos of your work. Make videos of your work. Potential customers, they really want to see a whip cracking. They want to see close-up images of the whip. Pictures, in my opinion, are not enough for something like a whip. Because a whip can look great, but it doesn't mean it cracks great. So once you have a product that you are proud of yourself, of course, you're always continuing to do better the next whip. You're making the next one better than the previous, always. As artists, we, we do that with everything. Unless we are doing it just to, uh, to make money and we despise it, then we're probably not going to get any better at it. But um, we, we are always, we're always looking to make the next one better than the previous. And, and people people want to see it crack. So introduce yourself on YouTube. Make, make a, a YouTube channel for your whips. Um, talk a little bit about why you got into whip making. People want to know your story. People want to know and people want to be aware of the passion behind the work that you're putting out. People generally don't want to just hear, I'm, I'm trying to make a couple bucks. Uh, here's a whip. I'm trying to sell it. You know, that's kind of boring. You know, if that's why you're doing it, you're kind of doing it for the wrong reason. There there are many other ways to make money than 
um, than a strategically braided functioning piece of art. So, you know, talk about maybe you you were interested in it. Why why were you interested? How did you hear about whips? What made you want to get into whip making? What made you want to sell whips? You know, people people want to hear your story. As someone who they're going to purchase a whip from, they, they want to get to know you. So start a YouTube channel. It's free. It's priceless to do that. Have some good pictures in your videos. Have good angles. Have some good um, good videos of the whips cracking. You know, cut some targets. Show the rollout of the whip. Talk about the construction. That is something that is so important in uh, in your your journey to becoming a having a whip company, a whip making company. So you you made your connections on Facebook. You started some videos showing your work with links to to your store, wherever that may be, where you're selling the whip. Now it's time to if you do have the ability to do so try out some other people's whips and this is this is huge this this was really big for me for a while i only had a few whips from a friend whose brother went through a heavy indiana jones phase when he was in middle school and my friend josiah from high school um, when I was getting into whips, he said, yeah, my brother's got all these whips. And, and he, uh, he, I think I came over or he brought them over or something or another. I don't remember. And the only exposure that I had had to any whips besides my own were those whips, which a couple of them were handmade whips by him, by his brother. And a couple of other whips, where I think I believe they were maybe Todd's costumes. I don't remember, but they were, they were falling apart. They were pretty worn out. A couple of them still cracked pretty well. For for all I knew, they cracked fairly well. But I had never, at up until that point, had my hands on, you know, a master crafted whip, if you will, you know, uh, a Joe Strain, uh, an Adam Winrich, a David Morgan. Uh, a Paul Nolan, a Blake Bruning whip, um, a Bernie Wojcicki, or, or I could go on and on. Um, but it's so important for you guys to try out other people's work while you're still learning. And it wasn't until, oh man, I want to say it was 2013 or 14, maybe 2013. I, I, it was the Porter County Fair here in Valparaiso, Indiana. I was showing a whip in the 4H. I don't know if it was 4H or open classes. I think it was open classes. You can, if you're unfamiliar with a with a fair, a state fair, or a, a county fair, you can uh, bring in a piece of art that you made and you get judged on it, and what have you. And it's kind of a fun thing to do, you know. So I was there, and I had shown a whip. And uh, I was picking up, picking it up. It was the end of the fair. And I was walking past, um, you know, the little lots that all the different performers and what have you have. And, and I was walking past uh, uh, Karen Jones, who is now a, a fantastic knife maker. And at the time, she was doing, um, you know, like a Wild West types of shows, knife throwing and whip cracking with Dan Mink. I don't know if you are aware of Dan Mink, but uh, they were they were touring, and uh, the Porter County Fair was one of their stops uh, throughout the United States. So I was really excited because they had been putting on these shows, and I had this nylon whip that I was particularly proud of. And I thought, man, you know what? I'm gonna take this over to to Dan and I didn't know their names then Dan and Karen I'm gonna I'm gonna show them this whip you know I think they're really gonna appreciate this uh, by then I think it was my maybe my hundredth whip I don't know I don't remember um but I handed it to uh 
to Dan and he looked at it. He was like, he, he didn't expect it. You know, this kid coming out of one of the, the buildings, like, who is this guy? So he starts cracking it. And a long story short, you know, he actually bought the whip from me. I, I sold it for him. I sold it to him on the spot, which was really flattering that, a, you know, that a performer would, would buy a whip from me. Um, but the reason I bring the story up is because, um, you know, Karen also was cracking the whip and they, they really, Dan and Karen liked it. And Karen brings out a pair of whips made by Adam Winrich. And I, of course, I was well aware of Adam Winrich during this time because watching his videos are, are what inspired me so much when I was getting into whip making and whip cracking. So I was really like blown away holding this pair of whips like, wow, Adam Winrich made these whips. And uh, there were several other uh, leather whips as well that, that Karen brought out to me to, tr- to try out. Um, but to hold a whip like that, which, you know, you know Adam's work. You know, he is, uh, the, the intricacy of Adam's work. Like he is, is un, an unbelievable whip maker. And so many people know Adam as a whip cracker and, and a, a whip maker on the side, you know. But to this day, I, I have to say that Adam is perhaps the best nylon whip maker that I know of. And I've seen a lot of Adam's work, and it is unbelievable. So to have a couple of whips made by Adam Winrich, for one, that they were made by him, uh, really blew me away, and then getting to crack them was was great. But um, to be able to compare my work to his, to compare, you know, the... The, the infancy, if you will, of, of my whip-making career compared to this guy's, you know, who had been making whips for years and years and who was a master at it, in my opinion. It was really important for me to see that. It was kind of like, if you're a musician, it was like getting to trade solos with your favorite guitarist who you looked up to as a child. Like, it's intimidating. It's big-time intimidating, but at the same time, it's so crucial to kind of kick you and go, you know, I'm, I'm getting to play with this guy, play music with this guy. Now I need to, I need to go. I need to go. You know, you're, you're, you're in an uneven playing field. There's two ways you can look at it. You can give up or you can say, I'm going to kick it into high gear. And I'm not always the most optimistic person for, you know, a lot of my friends know that about me. I sometimes can see the negative side first before I see the, the silver lining but thankfully, I looked at that as an opportunity to go, man, I'm going to step it up. I'm going to do better. I'm going to make more videos. I'm going to get better at whip making. And, I, and it, that was a turning point for me. That was the first time I was exposed to other whips that were not made by me, that were made by a master. And it was a really meaningful thing. It was a really meaningful time. And I tell you what, you know, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was just the icing on the cake for Dan to buy that whip from me on the spot. It made me feel like a million dollars. I tell you what, you know, uh, riding home, I was in the car, just a big smile on my face. Like it, it was, it was so encouraging. And uh, Dan, if you're listening to this, Karen, if, if you're listening to this, uh, you guys really that meant a lot. That really meant a lot to me that, that you, you know, that you expressed so much care in, in, in handing me those whips and, and spending some time with me. So, yeah. If you are able, familiarize yourselves with other people's whips. And the, two, and the, the Los Angeles Whip Cracking Convention is such a great way to experience that. Um the people who attend they themselves are not only excellent whip makers but a lot of them have big collections of whips and it's always uh, such a a great time for beginners to show up with their whips um, if you've ever met me at the LA WhipCon um, I'm I'm always trying my best to talk with everyone sometimes it's really intimidating the idea of of you know bouncing between all these people my biggest fear is leaving someone out and uh i'm that's always kind of like 
my heart's kind of pounding when I when I get there because I know a lot of people are going to be wanting to talk to me and and I the last thing I want is to leave somebody out and if I ever have I'm so sorry it's not my intention it's just so much going on so many people I'm talking to at once um, but we are always happy to look over your work to see what you're doing to check out your planning to answer your questions and the LA WhipCon is, is such a great place to be if you're a beginner you can try out other people's whips and get you know hands-on instruction so create that YouTube channel observe other people's whips in action and hopefully in your own hand um, but look into your own community um, there are a lot of states out there who do have whip communities for a while uh, there was a whip meet here in Indiana um in Indianapolis, Blake Bruning put on some. Um, unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, the amount of interest was kind of lacking. Uh, there weren't a lot of people showing up. But I want to get it going again. I maybe even have a whip convention here, um, more towards where I live in Northwest Indiana. I would absolutely love to uh, to have a whip meet here. Have you guys all come out and uh, maybe do some competitions, have some whip making going on? I think that'd be just magical. I um, I do a lot of work for the parks department here, and uh, I've been uh, well aware of all the different pavilions that they have, and you can you can rent one for a few hours. A lot of beautiful parks here in Northwest Indiana. So that's something I, I, I want to do in the near future. Um, hopefully we, uh, we, get, we get past this pandemic because um, uh, so much has changed. That's, that's another thing we'll briefly touch on. Um, <laughs> I think I just started losing my train of thought. Yeah, um, just get, you know, try out other people's whips. And if you can find one um, online, you can, if you want to buy a whip, that that's even a way to do it too. You you are in the market for a quality whip. Buy the whip and just compare it with your own. You know, close, you know, look at it. Take a good look at it. Take a look at what the whip maker did here. And that's sometimes difficult to do without taking the whip apart. Um which is why I make these videos, these current nylon bullwhip making videos. I, I think they are, or you guys have expressed that they've been helpful to you. And I'm in the process at this second, not at this second, but I'm filming one right now. It's the 2020 current bullwhip making method. And in it, I talk about what I've changed and what I haven't changed in my whip making, my nylon bullwhip making. So. Uh, that video is going to be coming out in a couple weeks. I just have to finish it. Um, not very much to go. It is going to be a long video, so I hope you guys have uh, about three hours to sit down. And I tried my best to cut giant chunks out of it, but it just interrupts the flow, and it's got to be what it's got to be. I think it's going to run about three hours, so um, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Hopefully you got time, but um, yeah, familiarize yourself with other people's work, and uh, and talk to people. That's another great way to do it. Um, wherever you're selling your whips, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if 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 you have good pictures and videos of you cracking your whip. I can almost guarantee you, if the price is modest if you're not jacking the price up four hundred dollars for a you know a six foot nylon bullwhip if you and you've made three whips if you're not doing that kind of stuff chances are if your plaiting is straight if your whip flows out somebody's going to buy your whip somebody is going to buy your whip even if the plaiting isn't perfect somebody's probably still going to buy your whip 
compare or, or look at other people's prices too. Look at other people's prices. See what they're charging. Are they selling their whips at the prices they're selling it? Great. All I have to do is make a whip that is equal or better to the way they're making their whips and you're guaranteed to sell those whips. So eBay is nice uh, because they host that potential sale and that's why they take you know their 10% of each sale because you know that you can promote the listing for a little bit more money and you're getting a lot of exposure I started with eBay and it, it wasn't until probably a year or two maybe three years before I decided to start my own website through Squarespace and this episode is not sponsored by Squarespace <laughs> um but they've been pretty good. Good hosting, reasonable price. But I'm, I'm convinced that the single most important thing for, for advertising for your whips is a video of you talking about your whip and cracking your whip and showing close-ups of your whip. I'm convinced that that is the single most important thing for someone who, who wants to sell whips, period. In addition to that, familiarizing yourself with others, getting to know other whip makers is great because you never know when they might give you a shout out in a video. Hey, check out this guy's uh, Etsy. He sells great whips. They're cheaper than mine or, or whatever, you know. Etsy's a great place to sell whips. I think Adam Fieldson of Whipworks, I think he sells his whips on Etsy. And uh, he moves some whips along, I tell you what. He, uh, he's doing a great job. And Etsy does it for him. Etsy is kind of the eBay of the artist's world, the way I see it. And it's convenient. They have all these layouts and stuff. I tried Etsy for a while. Um, I don't remember. I think I tried it in addition to the website I have now, Squarespace website, Nick's Whip Shop. Um, but I kind of wanted everything in one place, you know. I think I sold crackers on Etsy for a while and falls and whip parts. Yeah, I got my little animal here. Listen to this. Yep. This is the cat that'll play catch. Old Hickory. Lucy Brown is another one of her names. But yeah, guys, I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm not gonna go on for too much longer because I got to get some sleep here. Um, so I uh, I'm hoping that I covered a fair amount of helpful information. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the overly long, drawn out stories. Yeah, but yeah, I got I got some videos coming out, um, and I'll, I I want to talk about this in a video, pretty soon. Um, yeah, the the last whip meet I did was with uh, Blake Gorey and Johnny Ogren. That was actually in L.A. It's been that long since I recorded. Um, but yeah, this whole pandemic was really. Man, it really uh, caught me off guard. Um, just a crazy time, you know. Just seeing this coming, having family members that are older—that—that that was the scariest part of this storm, if you will, on the horizon. Before cases started to skyrocket in my own state, um, it was kind of the the unknown, like. Oh man, this is this is terrifying. Seeing the reports in Italy, it was uh, it was uh, a really uncomfortable feeling to say the least. And I went on uh, a lot of long walks at night to uh, to kind of process it all. For a while, I didn't 
being transparent with you guys. I, I didn't, whip making was kind of the least thing that I wanted to think about for, for a week. But then as the new um, way of life, as it were, started to set in, not seeing my friends for a long time um, was a huge adjustment. I was kind of in the phase of the, the mentality of I spent a lot of the winter not seeing as many people as I had hoped to and uh, kind of my introverted self, if you will, um, would kind of avoid the larger gatherings for the most part. I would force myself into it, but never as much as I wanted to. I always felt like I was missing out on something. Um, but I was thinking, man, this spring I'm going to get out there. I'm going to I'm going to go downtown and I'm going to meet people and I'm going to not have regrets about not meeting people. And then this thing, <laughs> this pandemic starts and then, oh, okay, I'm not even going to be able to see my friends I'm comfortable uh, <laughs> talking with for a God knows when. So yeah, it's, it's been crazy. And like I said, I'm, I'm not afraid of this thing for myself. COVID-19, I'm, I'm not, I'm not afraid of the virus, but I, I have family members who are older. So that was the biggest worry for me. Um, so I try to be as careful as I can. You know, I go to the grocery store, wash my hands and what have you, what have you, all the stuff we're supposed to do to keep clean and, and all that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more adjusted to it now. As weird as that sounds, everything's crazy. And, and because the weather has, well, slowly become better, it, right now outside it's, you know, 35 degrees and blowing wind and it's almost May. <laughs> so, I mean, we've had a few few warm days here, which were great, but we've also had some days that were not so great. But going into this pandemic, it was cold outside, it was snowing. When I made that previous video, like, I was... I was not feeling good mentally. I was really like not doing too good. But doing that video, making that video helped me stay on my feet and helped me um, move forward. Um, I wanted to make that little statement at the end because I was kind of almost talking to myself in addition to talking to all of you guys who are watching who are watching the video you know it being late at night you're in quarantine you you know you're not supposed to see your friends you're not supposed to see family members you don't live you know it's uh you know a recipe for you know terrible things to think about and and I was actually one of those people and I thought it was important to say that you know you guys are not alone and I know I wasn't alone but we can single ourselves out sometimes when we're anxious and we feel like there isn't any hope. So that was where I was coming from. I was, uh, in a way, sort of talking to myself in addition to talking to everyone else. And making the video really helped me because I, I, I knew that so many of you find these videos therapeutic whether whether or not there's a pandemic going on a lot of you watch my videos and it takes you to a a, a place further than just being able to wait to make whips it, it helps you recover from uh, you guys have told me recover from addiction recover from you know a car accident a brain injury like I've had so many people who these videos affect in that way who are anxious have social anxiety what have you so, um, I knew that you guys were watching and I wanted you to know that, you know, we, we all have to stay strong, but, uh, hoping, uh, this, you know, we move forward with treatments. I really want to see my friends again. I want to see my brother again. I haven't seen him in a long time. And, uh. I'm starting to ramble, so I think uh, I should probably end this thing. But we're getting through this thing. I hope you guys are doing well. 
the the um a pandemic is one of the best times possible to work on crafts and building models and making whips and cracking whips you know it's it's just a wonderful time to uh <laughs> that sounded terrible it's a wonderful time it's a wonderful opportunity to uh it's not a wonderful time obviously but it's it's a perfect opportunity to work on some stuff that you've been wanting to work on for a while because everyday uh, occasions have been postponed. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We'll get through the pandemic. Stay positive. Keep moving. Exercise. If you don't exercise, this is the best time to start. And if you have been exercising, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep moving. That's what's so important. That's just the best time possible to start moving. Go on a walk, go on a ride, go on a run, and just stay healthy. You know? That's all you can do. I want to end this on a more positive note than I'm ending it on now. Hmm. Let's see. What should I talk about? Hmm. I don't know. Got a cat that is absolutely begging me right now to throw a mouse. A fake mouse. It's a toy. Here. This is, uh... There she is. She's running down the hall. I just threw it, and she slides six feet on the floor and grabs it. I don't know why you guys are listening to this at this point. <laughs> yeah, I got a model airplane a couple days ago. It's a, it's a glider. It's a discus launch glider made by a company called Dreamflight out of California. It has no motor in it. It's radio controlled. And you fling it into the air with this little tab on the end of the wing. You launch it like a discus. That's why it's called a discus launch glider. And the idea is you... you just wing this thing into the air on a hot summer day. And air currents that rise on a hot summer day called thermals. You can f- you fly this plane into the thermal of rising air and just you can gain lift that way. Just like real full-scale gliders do. Or you could go to a sand dune or a hill and fly it, you know, along the edge of the slope, the air that's forced upwards gives you lift so you can just fly for 4 or 5 hours if you wanted to until you're your uh, transmitter radio dies or your battery in your glider dies but I'm really excited about that I'm, I'm uh, really looking forward to it um, another thing I've been doing during this pandemic is um, spending a lot of time with birds I, uh, I've always loved birds birds <laughs> I gotta throw this toy again sorry but uh there we go Ooh, over the couch nice she did a flip. The other cat that's sleeping on the couch woke up. Looks really angry now. Sorry, Herman Sherman. Yeah, he'll be all right. I, wasn't, I completely forgot what I was talking about just now. Oh, yeah, I was talking about birds. Um. I've been sitting out in the yard in the early morning, you know, 6 and 7 a.m., and I've been watching the birds and just listening to them, taking pictures of them, and it's so calming. You know, there's always the going joke about, oh, bird watching, you know, it's kind of a stereotypical thing that people laugh at, but until you try it, you know, don't don't knock it until you, until you try it, you know, because it's very therapeutic especially during a pandemic. And I've also been watching videos from this girl named Leslie. Leslie the Bird Nerd is her uh, YouTube um, her YouTube channel. She's got all these awesome like documentary-ish style videos where she goes out to the woods and she hand feeds all these birds. It's crazy. They land in her hand like blue jays, chickadees, I think robins and stuff. And she spends so much time out there that she's gained the bird's trust to where they'll eat out of her hand. And she also, she 
gives them all names because she's so familiar with them she can identify each bird and those birds know her and they know that she's not going to hurt them when she brings food they come to her it's just it's so awesome but she's got all these really educational videos talking about what sound and what call each bird makes and one of her videos is on a black-capped chickadee a little funny little bird and we have those around here and they make this little sound like that's one of the, the tones they do. Um, you hear it in the morning, and it's just this, it's such a calming little tone. This, it's like a voice of, of reassurance, for lack of a better term. Um, we're getting a little philosoph- philosophical here for the last 10 minutes of a podcast about whip making, aren't we? While I'm throwing these cat toys for my cat to chase after. Strange uh, combination of events here going on at once. But, um, yeah, during this, when this pandemic started, like, I was I was all, like, just really depressed, as so many other people were, of course, not just me. Um, but hearing these little, you know, alone in my, in my bedroom, hearing these little birds, these little birds in, in, in March when this thing started to really take off, this pandemic. No other sound. Snow on the ground. Just a tiny crack of sunlight is, is starting to, to come through my, my shades on my window. And I hear this little sound, this little tone. And I'll, I'm going to play it for you guys. So I think it's important that you hear this. Why? Because this is my podcast and I can do anything I want. <laughs> Okay. It's your fault if you're still listening. Okay, let's see. Yeah, they're called black-capped chickadees, the birds that are that make this sound. And usually these there's a lot of poetry, if you will, to this. A lot of uh, a lot of beauty in this. These birds are the first birds you hear in Northwest Indiana anyway. These are the first spring birds you hear. And they come out in like February, the beginning of February, you hear these birds. And when you hear them, it's a sure sign of spring. It's, it's said that it's kind of one of the first signs of spring to hear these birds. So black-capped chickadee. They have several calls they make, but this particular one is known as the Phoebe call. And this is what it sounds like. So something about that, guys. Hearing that in the morning. It's like a little voice that says, it's okay. It's it's very calming. I, I won't get into the detail. Maybe you don't think of things the way I think of them. Maybe you're, you know, maybe it doesn't really mean anything to you to hear a, a bird, you know, make a sound. You know, we're all different. But for me, when I hear that, I just think about what nature entails. How these little birds know that it's about to be spring. It's just beautiful to me. And and, and those little birds really uh, really helped me when this pandemic started. Just waking up in the morning and just the you know, kind of the, the crushing uh, inevitability of, of a pandemic and the inescapability of it the fact that I can't change anything I can't help anyone who's dying I can't save anyone thousands of people are going to die you know look at Italy and all that stuff just all that in my head silence out on the outside silence but in my head all this stuff going on the worries of, for my own family in the future um, and I heard those little birds that little call that I just played the chickadee and it was a warmth. It was a very warm feeling inside hearing that. And it was great. It really helped me. There, now we can end this thing. That, that, I think that's a pretty positive thing to, uh, to end this podcast on. It was a, a little voice of assurance, the little birds. A little thing that said, it's going to be okay. Spring will come. The sun will shine through the leaves. 
and the warmth will come through spring and it'll be okay thanks for listening guys uh get out there and listen to some birds because apparently it makes everything better (laughs) or i'm just crazy but thanks for listening guys i hope you you got something out of this thing uh if you're wanting to make your own whip making company um try to do these things that i that i said in this video start a youtube channel Get in touch with other whip makers on Facebook. Keep working hard at whatever you do. Never get lazy. Never make a whip and not want to be making it. Never make it and dread it. Never never make a whip to make a quick buck. That's not why you do any craft. You, you have to have at least, and that's not to say some days you won't enjoy it or, or won't, sorry, that's not to say some days you won't um, love it. Like there are going to be days if, if you're taking orders that it's going to be like, yeah, this is work. But at the end of the day, you're still doing it because it's an art form that you enjoy. So make that video. Keep making your whips. Links on those videos to where you're selling your whips. And uh, that is a great way to start a whip making company. Those are the, the foundation, the, the building blocks, if you will. So thank you guys and stay healthy and uh, stay positive. And I'll see you in the next one.